0: Much of the water infrastructure in the u.s is approaching 100 years old and in dire need of an overhaul the tact we've taken as a nation in terms of infrastructure maintenance has been to update aging pipes and systems as they break which is not ideal from a cost service or environmental perspective in the 1980s utilities began to implement sewer bypass projects as a way to conduct repairs and effectively upgrade lift stations without disruption of service to customers or putting the public's health at risk. Each decade since has seen the advancement of sewer bypass technology, from noise reduction in the 1990s to the addition of electrical submersible pumps as an option for temporary solutions in the 2000s. Today, sewer bypass technology continues to evolve alongside society, taking into account factors such as urbanization, embedded intelligence, systems integration, and climate change. On this episode of Solving Water, the Xylem podcast, Nate Warren, sales engineer for Xylem, and Stan Rokovich, distribution and product manager for North America, talk with me about the latest in sewer bypass solutions and share some of their most interesting industry experiences throughout their careers. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Through the Water Cycle, a water utility series on Xylem Solving Water podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Holloway, and I'm pleased to welcome Nate Warren and Stan Rokovich, who are Xylem experts in temporary sewer bypass systems, to the show. Thank you both for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Amanda. Appreciate it.
0: So, Stan, you've been on the show before. Welcome back. Can you remind our listeners of what your role is at Xylem?
2: I sure will. So, I'm the uh, distribution and product manager for submersible pumps in the construction and mining markets throughout North America.
0: Great. How long have you been with the company?
2: Yeah, sure. So I've been with Xylem uh, for over 20 years, uh, based out of Bridgeport, New Jersey. I worked extensively with our Gowan products in both sales and rentals, Uh, really focused in the Northeast during the early part of my career. And as mentioned, I spent the last nine years working as a distribution manager uh, with both our distribution network and branches throughout North America.
0: Great. And Nate, it's been a little while since we've talked. It's great to to see you again. I think the last time we talked was... um, in Hermosa Beach when I was there doing some video work for Terminal Island water reuse project.
1: Yep, yep, and we got gluten-free Italian food. It was good. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and um, I mean, things have changed a little bit since then, <laughs> but uh, hope you've been well, and um, maybe you could uh, tell us what you do for Xylem and how long you've been with the company.
1: Yeah, so um, I am a sales engineer for Xylem. I've been working in Southern California now for almost 18 years. And uh, over the last couple years, I've taken on uh, different roles. And currently, I've got a role where I am still a sales engineer, but um, I handle the dewatering line of equipment, which is our bypass pumping, um, dewatering, things like that. And I also do our flight engineered sales, uh, which is all of the permanent pumps that we would specify and, uh, and design and install into uh, a permanent applications.
0: Great, thanks for that intro. So when I was prepping for our discussion today, I had the opportunity to listen to your webinar that you recently gave on the advancement of sewer bypass technology. And it was really informative. Um, so I kind of just want to get straight to the heart of today's topic, which is the latest and greatest in sewer bypass technology. And so can, you know, I don't know if Stan, you want to go first or what have you. Um, sure. But the biggest advancements of the last, you know, five, 10 years in, in this area.
2: Yeah, I think there's a few that, I, that I'd like to mention. You know, the first being the advancement in our MNC, uh, monitoring and control capabilities. I think it's added tremendous value for both our customers and uh, the, either the contractor or municipal owner working on the uh, job sites. I think just being able to monitor the equipment, being the level, uh, flow rates, min and maxes, looking at sump levels, uh, if it's an electric submersible, being able to look at the bearing temperature of the pumps, amp draw, uh, and basically getting a full view uh, via an IP address, either through their, their iPhone ipad laptop and being able to see what that bypass is doing has been a tremendous help for everyone involved being xylem the customer uh and the municipal owner and then just to, to add to that uh i think being able to have the electric submersible line uh the flight uh, pumps that we now have from say half horsepower up to 470 horsepower i think by having the flexibility to offer you know either a diesel option or either an electric drive prime or now the flight submersible ha- has given us uh, another level to take to the customer to provide the most cost-effective uh, economical solution, but also space of a consideration to have that flight offering has been a huge advantage, I think, for both Xylem and the marketplace uh, as well.
0: That's a great overview. Neat, do you have anything to add?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's
1: that technology is so powerful today, you know, especially, um, you know, in, in, in talking with this, you know, the city of the city of Los Angeles. Right. So, I mean, there's just a lot of deep sewers. They, they have a specification that doesn't allow us to surcharge those sewers. So using self priming pumps is very difficult. Um, and surcharging is basically using a wet well or a structure, um, as a temporary wet well. Right. So it's letting that level come up higher in the manhole or structure to get that water closer to the, the, the eye of the impeller of a self-priming pump and they just don't allow it you know so we have to stay under the top of the pipe and so that really puts some challenges in trying to use self-priming pumps so our, our flight submersible technology is just so powerful in that regard and and, and especially when because they're so efficient you could use a larger electric submersible pump that almost takes the place of two automatic self-priming diesel pumps. So it, it, it's a big advantage uh, to using that technology. Um, and, and something else I'll add to what Stan said is using the, uh, the, the the flight in impeller, whether it's in our flight pumps themselves or it's in a uh, one of our uh, diesel Godwin pumps. That, that, that flight and impeller is a huge advantage. It cuts down on all of the downtime that you would typically see with ragging issues. Uh, it saves fuel because it's so efficient. So that's the, the, those are those are really big. And then add on top of it, what Stan mentioned about the uh, the MNC, the controls. That, that, that's a huge technology that just adds so much cost savings. And also just the fact that we can sleep at night with some of these big systems running, it's, that's a huge advantage.
0: And you mentioned deep sewers as being one of the challenges for utilities, especially as they're looking at sewer bypass projects, you know, are there other challenges aside from like the deep sewers and that cities are facing right now as they look to put these projects together?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Traffic. You know, we're, we're, we're working on projects in some of the, the busiest cities in the world, or at least for me in, in, in Los Angeles, um, some of these streets, they're not gonna shut down lanes or, or, move, uh, or move traffic for a bypass system. And so in a lot of ways, what they're doing is they're, de- we, we are designing bypass pumping systems that actually sit um, underground. You know, so they, they, they'll excavate a pit We'll put our pumps in there, we'll bury our discharge piping. Our generators and our controls will be, will set off to the side and we'll we'll bury all of the, the power cable in conduit. And then we'll essentially bury over or plate over that, those bypass systems. Um, it has some risk in of, in of itself, but the fact is, is you can keep the street open, cars are driving over these big metal plates. They don't know what's under there. They don't realize that we have these massive bypass pumping systems that are, that are underground. And and that's been a a big hit with these cities because trying to close down a street, like let's say this, for example, Wilshire Avenue that that, that's in the heart of Los Angeles, that's not going to happen. And, and so we need to come up with a
2: design that works around it. Yeah. I think to add to what Nate just said, you know, Nate, it seems like the more bypasses that we're getting involved with space is definitely a premium. You know, 10 years ago, we didn't have the, the breadth of technology that we do have now. And by adding some of the submersibles and electric technology, uh, it's allowed us to to do this work with a much smaller footprint. And in some of these job locations, you know, from environmental concerns and, and other things of that nature that, that come up, um, it's been a big help and advantage for Xylem to be able to do these projects, to, to Nate's point, And and we think about this stuff when we're designing this uh, so that we give that engineer and that municipal owner really the best thought out solution. It's also a cost effective solution as well.
1: Yeah. And it's a challenge. It's not, it's not always easy to convince either a contractor or the municipality that, Hey, we want to take these pumps and we want to put them out in that intersection. We want you to plate over them. That's a, that's a big challenge, you know, And, and it's really trying to get some of the municipalities and the contractors to think different. So it's a little bit of a training exercise and, and, and also to help them understand, hey, listen, we've done this before and here are some projects where we've been very successful. Um, there is a risk factor to it, but uh, it, it, as long as we could put in the controls and the systems in place, it really gives them that, that peace at night. And that's, that's really what we're going for. No, no, no sewer spills and good sleep. Right. That's, that, that's what we're going for.
0: Okay, so we we've talked about the space being at a premium with the job locations. And what are some other things that utilities should consider when they're looking to do a sewer bypass project? And I know sometimes it's not something they can actually plan ahead for. I know sometimes this stuff is reactive. So something happens, some sort of disaster occurs, and they have to put the sewer bypass project together. But what are some other things that utilities should be thinking
1: about? For me, you know, working in the desert, essentially in in LA, uh, we don't necessarily have a ton of emergencies. And you know, when you compare East Coast to West Coast, you've got hurricanes on the East Coast, you've got flooding and and things like that on the East Coast in the Midwest. In California, we don't necessarily have that. We've got earthquakes, which you know, knock on wood, it's not going to happen here anytime soon. But one of the big things that we really look for when we're teaming with a municipality or a contractor when they're designing a sewer bypass system is it's all about the sewer flows and you know for us we have we have planned projects so we're, we want to be in early whether we're working with a contractor or the municipality or even a consulting engineer we want to be in early and we want to understand what the sewer flows are because I think that in some cases, and not all cases, but in some cases, I think that um, some engineers will look at the Q factor of a sewer line and, and they'll say, oh, well, this 24 inch sewer line is designed for X MGD, X CFS, X uh, gallons per minute. Well, yeah, that's the design point we understand that a certain amount of water can fit through a sewer line, but what's the actual flows? What's the low flow? What's the average flow? And what's the high flow? And Xylem now has the the technology. We can measure that flow. So we could put in a device in an upstream manhole, and we can measure that over the course of um, a couple of weeks and really have a good idea of what those flows are doing. And having that knowledge when we go into a project really, really is powerful. It's so beneficial because then you're putting in the right pump for the right job. And we're not designing a, a big, large pumping system that's going to pump, you know, too, minute, too much flow, and really struggle in reality um, to pump not enough flow. So um, that's you know, for me, you know, just, just thinking about some things that are going on currently. Uh, that's a that's a big one is is really understanding the flows and teaming with a bypass contractor or a bypass company that's going to help you um,
2: with those projects. Yeah, I agree with what Nate's saying. You know, we try to keep it simple to put, get as much information as possible. I go with the five, the five questions, the what, what is it? Are we doing a gravity line or a force main? Do so we know the details of the system? You know, where is it logistically? You know, where is the suction or the source of the bypass and the discharge? And take into consideration, you know, where that is going to be. Uh, when is this happening right from a timing standpoint? Is it in the middle of winter where we're going to have to worry about freeze protection or to to Nate's point, if it's in the heat in the summer and I have an electric pump, do I have to be concerned with, you know, the, the temperature, say of a VFD, why are we doing it? Again, is it a relining project that might be quick or is this on an emergency? And if it is an emergency, again, we like to do contingency plans where we have a lot of that data uh, up front. And when we have that, it makes the job go that much smoother. Uh, and again, to what Nate said, you know how much? what's the min average and max flows that we're going to be dealing with? And I think it's important to to know that that if it is a diesel system that's going out there, potentially a tier four engine, to making sure that that tier four engine is going to be operating in a a good spot for that engine. And then also taking to an account when we do these setups, it's the serviceability, right? That's something that sometimes gets overlooked is okay, once the system's in, how do I get in to service it, refuel it, make sure that we can adequately maintain it and allow that space for our mechanics to get in and do that if needed?
0: A couple things you mentioned, Stan, on that webinar that you did. Um, one was redundancy requirements. If you could just tell us a little bit about redundancy. And, and I think that the, there's differences at different parts of the country or different states potentially as to what's required there.
2: It, it, sure. It seems like on the eastern portion of the country when they request a redundant backup it's typically uh, one of the largest pumps just one in the system so if there's five say 12 inch pumps that are required then they would require one extra 12 inch pump for that redundant backup Uh, where other systems that I've seen out west when they require 100 percent redundancy that'd be double the pump so if it's five they'd want another five and then that piping to go with it So it really depends on the engineer that you're working with and what they're uh, typically used to putting out. Uh, We can do either. Uh, Like I said, it just seems to be more regional that we haven't seen as many on the East coast than I think that we see on the West coast. And Nate, you could probably uh, speak to
1: that as well. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's a few municipalities here that have have a 100% redundant pumping and piping uh, specification. And when it comes to footprint, uh, we try to get them to understand that. Because we'll hear, okay, we need a bypass system, and we'll see the, we'll, we'll see the plans and specs. And, and what we try to under help them understand is, okay, you need, if you need, uh, you know, 20 MGD, that's basically, uh, you know, two 18-inch pumps, right, to handle primary, 10 MGD a piece. Well, one 18-inch pump is the size of a, small, of a smaller school bus. So you're going to put two of those in there, and then you need, a, you need 100% redundancy. So you need two more. So you need four 18-inch pumps. Um, and so it, it, it's two things. It's a footprint. So it's dealing with the footprint. But then also they have to realize you've got to get that suction piping in that manhole. So many times they have to pull that whole manhole out and, and reconstruct it into a larger shaft to handle all of the, that, that suction piping that's going to go in into that hole and vice versa on the discharge end right so now you have you have all the suction piping in the suction manhole but then you also you've got to be able to fit all four of those lines in the discharge manhole and a lot of times I'm not sure that people understand that and that's and that's a big and has a big impact to the project
0: To hear more discussions about challenges and trends in today's water industry, tune in to our other shows on Solving Water, a Xylem podcast, including In the Field with Gould's Water Technology about issues impacting the residential and agricultural markets, Through the Water Cycle, a series reviewing every aspect of the water utilities segment, from treatment to monitoring and reuse, and the Bell & Gossip podcast focused on HVAC and plumbing systems for commercial building services. Stream, download, and subscribe for these episodes and more. I was just going to ask, why, this, why such a difference? So why is, why is it that, Nate, you're dealing with these municipalities that have 100% redundancy, and then, Stan, you said you're staying on the East Coast. It's, it's really not. Uh, that critical to have that 100%. Why is it so different?
2: <laughs> I know why, but I'll let Stan answer. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on who they were dealing with. as the, the the bypass may be planning in the past. Um, I, I think that, you know, may, maybe the engineers, uh, it's just something that they're used to having on the West Coast. Uh, in the East Coast with the, some of the lining projects, that's typically just how they do it with having that one pump as the backup on the system instead of having a complete 100% redundant backup. So I think that's the politically correct answer. <laughs> Nate? <laughs>
1: I'll give it, I'll, I guess I'll give a politically correct answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right, but also I think that you know, environmental standards you know, have really been spearheaded in California, especially Southern California. You know, there's been some pretty crazy spills uh, nationwide, you know, that have made national news in some cases. Um, one just happened, I think it was down in, in, in Cabo, right? Um, it wasn't involved involving a bypass system, but you had this massive spill and it was on national, it made, it, made, it made world headlines. And, and so a lot of these municipalities, they want to stay away from that. So they want the redundancy in um, to avoid at all costs a, a sewer spill, because we all know that it's risky. Uh, these bypass systems, you're, 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 you're taking something and you're relying on mechanical means and methods to move this uh, very dangerous water uh, from one place to another. And, and so they want the redundancy in to be able to, to have some protection. On top of mechanical redundancy, they're also putting in hydraulic redundancy. For example, the city of LA requires uh, 150% over the maximum anticipated flow. So there's definitely some, some worries about, you know, the environmental impacts and what, is, what a, a sewage spill would do. I mean, think, think about the sewage, you know, flowing down Santa Monica Boulevard into the beach. I mean, it's, it'd, be, it'd be terrible. So um, I yeah. understand their thought process.
0: Yeah, and, and sticking kind of with the city of L.A., I know, Nate, you just wrapped up a temporary bypass project from the North Sewer outfall or north outfall sewer um and you know getting after that public safety and that public health protecting that as part of these sewer bypass projects i mean can you describe the situation that you were dealing with with that nos 12 project
1: yeah it was it was a challenge for sure um it, it all came about kind of like clockwork and it was kind of neat how it all came around we had we had done a presentation for the city of la and you know, and we talked about contingency planning, we, we, we talked about, hey, focus on your, your largest project, or your largest problem project. And let's, let's create a, a contingency plan for it. And that's kind of what we did with the NOS job. They said, hey, we've got this sewer line, it's 48 inch diameter, it's over 100 years old, it has some problems. So let's, let's build a contingency plan um, in case something happens. Well, something did happen, um, and this was after we submitted the contingency plan. And next thing you know, we're pulling in equipment start bypass pumping this, this sewer. And what we found out is originally we thought it was only 35 feet deep. I think everybody thought, well, this sewer right here is only 35 feet deep, which still presents issues, right? You still can't use automatic self-priming pumps um, for a sewer line that, that that's that deep. Well, then we found... As the engineering team was working more and more on this project, they found, not only is it not 35 feet deep, it's 50 feet deep. I think it was, officially it was 51 feet deep. And on top of it, in order to bypass it, they had to build a big giant structure around this sewer because not only did they have to bypass pump it, they also had to work on the sewer line. So they had to build this giant structure with the ability to insert machinery into the sewer line during the live bypass and so it had a lot of challenges we had to pump it about uh, about 2500 feet away into an adjacent sewer um which in of that of itself wasn't that big of a deal but you know again we were dealing with city streets
0: yeah tell us about the the area because i think that's just such a complex piece of the puzzle
1: yeah it was a cool area to be in um it was one of the oldest parts of the city of L.A., and, um, and so there was a bunch of unseen utilities that the contractor had to deal with because we had to bury the pipe. We had to bury our discharge piping um, just to keep the city street open. Um, you know, uh, we, 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 we took the pipe and we uh, went down Avenue 19, and right in front of the old Lincoln Heights uh, jail, which is a, a big historic uh, um, old building, and uh and so there was just a lot of uh, a lot of coolness to it but also a lot of challenges in that we had to keep this avenue 19 open um because it was a major relief artery for downtown LA so people can get home uh, at night and then, and then drive to work in the morning so um, i had a few challenges we and what we did is we closed down the middle median the the, the middle two lanes to the to the street and left the outside two lanes open so people could could drive back and forth and um and it worked it worked great
0: yeah um, and it wasn't it like near there's like a freeway that sort of or freeway overpass that went near there and then there's high tension lines like if there was a thing that could potentially get in the way of this project going smoothly this project had it like from the geography side of it, to the timing, to the location, all that stuff.
1: Yeah. I left that out. Um, I forgot about that. And and that was a very, that was very stressful at the time, you know, and, and and that's the thing, this sewer line, the problem was is it was collapsing and there was a, there was about a 30 foot void around the sewer line and where the void was located there happened to be a giant trend electric transmission structure right over the top of it. And if this, vo- this void, oh yeah, I forgot, there were railroad tracks that went over the void as well. So you had a transmission structure, you had, you had a major spur for, for uh, Amtrak and, and, uh, and freight that went over this void. And at any moment, if this void collapsed, that transmission structure would fall over, the railroad would fall in, and then those electric transmission lines could have potentially fallen over the uh, the one ten freeway wiping out power to downtown l a so it was a it was a big concern. It went all the way to the mayor's office that we get this project done and done on time and done safe and uh, and so we were able to do it, and everything went everything went great
0: I think my favorite part about that story is that you completely blacked out that entire side of it that all those dangers that you had to deal with you're like oh completely forgot about that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh, it was it was a very stressful time <laughs> and uh, and we were under a lot of pressure both us the contractor um and, and the city everybody was under a ton of pressure to get this 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 bypass pumping system online and get the sewer line repaired while we were working on that line they actually had crews in there that were injecting foam in the void to keep the ground from collapsing, so it was a there was a lot of pressure
0: that's crazy. would you say this is one of your most challenging projects or bypass projects you 've ever been a part of
1: yeah yeah definitely definitely one of the, one of the most challenging um, I, I don't think that it was i mean i've had've had a ton more stressful projects, but in in terms of just the scale of the project um, Getting it done uh, safely, I mean we were we had crews working over I think by the time they they benched the sewer line or the, excuse me the ground around where we were putting the pumps in, we were still working with a pit forty some feet deep, and so you know there was there, there was a ton of uh, safety challenges and then you know and then just managing all of the back office you know the the paperwork the invoicing and all of, all of that stuff it all made it a very challenging project but yeah, definitely in my top two. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. Stan, what about yeah. you? Do you have a project that sticks out for you as, you know, being the most challenging or one of the craziest things you've seen?
2: You know, I, I've been involved with a lot of, lot of crazy ones over the years, but, you know, one that stands out, and this is going back a ways, um, we were doing some lining work with a, a, a company and municipality out of Trenton, uh, and they did a majority of the work But when it came down to the end of the project, uh, they had to install uh, stop log channels that are used if they ever have to shut the sewer line down coming into the plant, they could put these stop logs in. So they had to install these channels in a 10 by 8 opening on the 96 inch sewer line. So if you can imagine, we had a very small rectangle that this channel, these structures had to go down in that would hold the stop logs. And I only had one manhole upstream to bypass flow rates. So again, it was a combined sewer. So when the, it wasn't raining, just na- normal sanitary sewer was uh, going through the line. Uh, so we came up with a creative solution and sold the customer a 96-inch disc plug that was inserted down into this structure and then cabled at four points in the back end of the uh, the sewer plug. And then those cables ran upstream to the next manhole to support that. Uh, and when I say it went in like butter, it went in like butter. <laughs> and what we did was inst- it was amazing for the size of it, right? So the structure went in. There was a, a tube that was inflated on the outside of the 96-inch the disc plug. And then there was a 24-inch flange on the bottom that had a knife gate valve. That what we did was they installed this disc plug. We installed four uh, 12 inch pumps at the upstream manhole and that was the only access point that we had uh, to handle 20 mgd if needed and again the sewer was about 30 feet deep and then what we did was on this plug this disc that we sold we had a knife gate valve and hdpe pipe that ran downstream of the work area so the workers were able to get down into that structure and do the work while the flow was being stopped by this disc plug and then was bypassing through this 24 inch valve and then HDPE that ran about 20 feet downstream of them. As we installed those sections of HDPE pipe, they sandbagged the discharge side and were able to do that work under dry normal weather conditions. So uh, I think for Xylem, it was a creative way to solve the needs of a customer, thinking outside the box and getting something that we brought in with the disc plug and creating that solution uh, that was not only a safe and effective way, but a cost-effective way for the uh, the contractor to get their their work done for the project. So again, it was one of those that was uh, again seeing that 96 inch plug go down into that that opening uh, was was definitely interesting. But the <laughs> fact, like I said, when it went in like butter and everything worked out great, uh, the customer was extremely happy. The municipality uh, couldn't have been happier as well, and just another example of how we get creative asylum to, you know, solve customer solutions or give them yeah. solutions. for their Absolutely.
0: Problems. I mean, it sounds like this is going to become more of the norm. Maybe not that specific exact measurements, but just, you know, what we're talking about with urbanization and just climate change and some of the factors that are um, creating issues uh, for the infrastructure in general, we're just going to have to figure out creative ways to get, these projects done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. We, we, we talk about interesting projects, and I think over over the years, we get a little jaded. I, I mean, just yesterday, we were flying a 15,000-pound, a 18-inch electric pump 40 feet in the air and setting it in the middle of this treatment plant, and I, that's, it, that's not normal. Like, it's not normal, <laughs> but I think for some of us, we're just so used to doing crazy things. Like, I got to really think about what, what, what really cool project have i been on you know I and mean, we we bypassed sewer off the USS Ronald Reagan you know we've pumped carrot juice for a a juice processing plant i mean all kinds of crazy stuff and and you really i really have to think about it and i know i'm sure it stands the same what 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 cool and interesting project have we been part of and i think it's just everyday something's different and every day we're doing something cool and unique and fun and i mean how fun is it watching a 90 ton crane lift a, you know, 15,000 pound pump, 40 feet in the air. It's, it's, it's cool. So, um, you know, we've definitely done a lot, a lot of really great things over the years.
0: Well, thanks for sharing those, those stories. I mean, uh, we'll have to catch up about the carrot juice, uh, <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> the bypass project at some point. So, you know, this has been super informative. I think that we've learned a ton about just sewer bypass projects and how nuanced they are. There's n- it's just not a cookie cutter situation at all. It seems like um, we have great expertise and some, some great products and solutions that we can customize for these different projects. Looking ahead, you know, what's coming up for sewer bypass in the next decade? Is there, you know, anything that you can point to you see as a trend or a technology that's evolving
2: I think that as we continue to do these, these larger projects, we are starting to add larger uh, electric submersibles into the, the fleet. Currently, just added two 470 horsepower pumps. And I think we're going to start to get into some of the, the, the medium-duty voltage equipment uh, as we take on these larger projects. And I think from a, from a cost-effective standpoint, um, when you look at long-term projects, uh, that's typically the better cost-effective solution, and it'll take up less footprint for our customers. Uh, and there's not many out there that can offer the technology, uh, the capability, the engineering support uh, that we have at Xylem. And I think we're just going to continue to grow these larger projects and larger pumps uh, as we take on more work. Yeah, and
1: the same as I mean, and, and, and to build on what he just said, I also think that, I mean, the electric pumps has a huge place in what we're doing today. But I also think that in the world of everything being commoditized, that really teaming with Xylem to be a true engineered to order specialist for these bypass systems is just so huge. Anybody can rent a pump, you know, and and that's really been evident over the last um, five to 10 years with some of the big rental companies getting into the business of, of pump rental. But Xylem can truly engineer a project. You know, we've always and we'll stand by it that we're vertically vertically integrated we design the pumps we manufacture the pumps we rent we rent them we sell them and we have the staff that knows what we're doing with the pump uh, we have we have the teams in place and so that's a huge thing we're not ever going to be a commodity business um, we're going to be a true a true engineered uh, to order business and that's going to team with the contractor i um, mean when they say hey we want a six-inch pump on the job, we're going to ask, what are you doing? Just like what Stan said, the five questions, right? We're going to ask the questions rather than just deliver the pump to the job and then there'll be problems tomorrow. So we're really, really working hard to be that partner for everybody that we deal with. And and I think that that really, truly gives us um, a value. And so I think that for, from my standpoint and I think that from xylem standpoint, that's what you're going to see in addition to all the technology that we've got um, in the the upcoming future.
0: Great. Well, thanks again for sharing these stories and this information with us today. And thanks everyone for listening. Check out the show notes for a link to more information on Xylem's rental solutions and our sewer bypass capabilities. Please drop me an email at amanda.holloway at xyleminc.com with feedback, ideas for future episodes, or if you'd like to be a guest on Solving Water. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem, a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe.